<clears throat> well, my name is Misael Gonzalez, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I've only been here for four months, and, but it feels like 10. I don't know if that's how it feels like for you guys. Maybe because we did the food distribution, and it was just like super long and super hot all the time. And I'm so grateful for you guys, like the kids here. I just love the kids, and I'm so grateful that they're like this row, and they're just awesome. They always say hi. I'm like, hey, what's up? What's going on? And so I want to let you guys know that I love you guys so much. And I know COVID is super weird. And so I find it kind of awkward to like ask you to go to lunch or to dinner just because I'm like, I'm not sure where you are. And so please invite me, uh, not because I don't want to invite you, but I want to be invited and I want to let you know I'm all about it. So I want to make sure that you guys know exactly where I'm at and saying, hey, I want you guys uh, just to be with me and to hang out and to <clears throat> be able to have conversations. And I just love it. And so if you're new with us or if you've been with us for a little bit, we are in this series called The Church, To Gather in a Changing World. Or in other words, La Iglesia, Congregados en un Mundo Cambiante. And that's the series that we're in. And in this series, we're talking about why it matters to gather together as the church. And, and our focus really is Hebrews 10, uh, verse 25, where it talks about we should not neglect the gathering together. And really, that means whether it's online or, or whether it's in person, whether you're at your house, the thing is, is that it's in these moments, right, that we get to listen to one another, that we get to hear one another, that we truly get to encourage one another and, and cry with one another and be able to say, hey, are you okay, man? Is everything all right? Like, I care about you. And it's in those moments that, man, we get to be the church together. And, and to this morning, really, we're going to talk about a little bit of church membership and what that involves, but we're going to be in the scriptures, and it's just going to be an awesome moment. Uh, and so there's a couple of things I want you guys to know about this passage is that really in this whole chapter, Paul's using this really big illustration of the body, as in the human body, to illustrate the church body, this church body that's universal, but it's also local. And so the church body is actually made up of born-again believers. And I just love this illustration that Paul uses right here in chapter 12 because I find the body really fascinating. I find how it's just so interesting how, like, so many things are going on, like, right now, like, in your body to keep you alive and to, like, to keep you breathing. It just blows me away to see how Paul uses, like, this hand and this foot and, and, and the eye. And I'm like, I wonder if Paul would have used, like, human cells if he had the science back then. And so I want to remind us a little bit of just what's going on right now in our bodies. So this first picture you're going to see is a picture of red blood cells. Now, I forget, honestly, all the time I have red blood cells. I'm like, wow, I have no idea that these cells are, like, sending oxygen all over my body. Like, this is incredible. And so I don't know if you forget, but I forget all the time. I'm like, whoa, okay. So this next picture is another kind of cell. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, Lord, wow, like all these cells are so incredible and different and they're working together and they're in me right now. This is just so fascinating. And what's interesting is that right now, you're actually producing cells to replenish the dead skin cells that we always lose. And they're just going and they're just reproducing. And I'm like, wow, that is incredible how all of this is working together. And no, I'm not even thinking about it. So then this next picture fascinates me because it really demonstrates our DNA. And it blows my mind. I don't know if it blows your mind, but it blows my mind that each cell in our body actually has our entire DNA, like the genetic, the genetic makeup. It blows me away. I'm like, what? That's insane. 
And when I think of this, and when I think of what Colossians says, that God is the God of the visible and the invisible, I'm telling you, I've never seen a red blood cell, but man, it seems kind of invisible to me. And it's just incredible to see that. And it's incredible to see how the body functions. I don't know if you guys know this, but, but before you were born, when you're in the mother's womb, there's like this little cap on your lungs that didn't let uh, any kind of liquids in. And as soon as you were born, it went like this. And you went, <gasps> and you took your first breath. I don't know about you, but I did not make my little lung cap thing, whatever that's called, go I didn't do that. I don't know if you did that. And so right now, I just want us to take a moment to just breathe in and then breathe out. That is the goodness of God and his creation. It is just incredible to see that. And so as we, as we go through this passage and as we look at it, man, I want to make sure that we understand the Lord that we're talking about the creator of all things visible and invisible. And, and we're gonna look at how Paul uses the body to illustrate who we are in Christ and who we are as a body together. And so we've already read the passage uh, together and I'm so grateful for our tech team that does an incredible job uh, reading the scriptures for us at times. And so there's, there's a textual idea that I want us to get from uh, this passage and that is that as Paul writes a response to the church located in Corinth, he reminds believers that they must be united as members of one body, with Christ as the head. And so I know most of you are taking notes this morning, so I wanna give you something to write down. And so our sermon idea this morning is that unity amongst diversity is in Christ. Unity amongst diversity in Christ. And this is a big statement, but I think it's a good statement of what we see summarized in this entire chapter. And so this morning, we're going to look at three realities about the body of Christ. And we're going to look at three things about church membership and really what that involves. And so the first reality that we see in verses 12 to 14 is this. And this is also something else to write down. Is that unity in the body of Christ. There must be and there is unity in the body of Christ. And it's really important for us to say there is. There is unity in the body of Christ. And that sounds, you know, really like, okay, Messiah, like, get it. Yeah, there's unity. That's what we see. But no, truly, check this out. In verse 12, this is what Paul says. He goes, just as the body, the one, has many parts. Like, he right here is already assuming unity. He is already assuming, like, yeah, you guys ought to be and are and should be unified. And as we look through, this, through these two, three verses, really we're seeing that Paul's argument is diversity. It's this variety. He's already assuming that we must be unified in Christ. And so if we're not, it might be this moment of repentance, right? If he's already assuming that we must be united under the lordship and the kingship of Christ, that should be a moment of reflection for us. And so it's really fascinating to see how verse 12 Paul begins this like metaphor and then verse 13 is this theological statement and then verse 14 once again we see this metaphor that that Paul is giving to us and if you look at verse 13 it says that we are of one spirit and that we've been given and we have drank from the spirit and what Paul's talking about because really we have to think that uh, in chapter 11 and before Paul Really, this illustration has everything to do with the spiritual gifts that Paul was talking about. 
Because Paul was saying, each one of you have been given different spiritual gifts for the glory of God. And you're not all the same, and that's okay. But we're to be unified. And so he's talking about this spirit that we've been given. And really, this is kind of a, a picture of what Jesus has been preaching in the past. Where he goes, I am the living water. I, I'm the bread of life. And so that's what we see in these verses where he's talking about the spirit. And, and I can't help but as I look at this and see how there's unity in the body of Christ, I can't help but just see how much more beautiful it is that we are unified, though we all have different gifts and talents. You know, I, I wish I was like six foot something and like, but that's not me. I'm grateful that we have Jonathan because he's that. I'm so grateful for him. But the thing is that we are all different and there's a more beautiful picture that we're united though we're different because I don't know if it'd be as powerful if we were united if we were all the same. Because at that point, it wouldn't be unity. It might as well call it like uniformity or something like that. Because in, in essence, it's just this beautiful image of how things work together though they're different and they're unified though they're different through the spirit. And it's just like, wow. And so really, Paul is, is really arguing right here for this diversity and already assuming unity. And so therefore, we have to say that there is unity in the body of Christ. And so some application that we see in these verses is that really church membership involves a connection to Christ. Church membership involves a connection to Christ. And so why do I say that, right? Why do I say that church membership involves a connection to Christ? Well, if we think about it, church membership is made up of born-again believers, those who profess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so how can I be a church member without first being connected to Christ? How can I be connected to his church if I'm not first connected to him? You see, when we think about it, I just, again, I love this illustration that Paul uses because he's like, man, a hand and an eye and, and all these things work together. But if you think about it, the hand, right, it's connected to my arm and then my shoulder and then my head. And my body can technically live without my hand. Like my hand can whatever. And my body will still live. But my hand, if I cut it off, will stop living. It'll actually stop functioning. There'll be nothing to, to communicate to it. Right? It's not connected to these ligaments all through here. And most importantly, it's not connected to my head. And let's think about Ephesians 5, right? Ephesians says that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, the head of the body. So if we're not connected to him, how can we be connected to the rest of the body in order to serve our purpose and to serve our function? And that's how it is with us as a church. Because truly, we are first in covenant relationship with Christ before we're in covenant relationship with each other. Right, this covenant that we have, this new covenant of grace that we have in Jesus. And the thing is, is that maybe there's some of us in this room that are like, you know, Misael, Misael Alonso Gonzalez, and the rest of my name. You know, man, my dude, like, I truly just don't feel like super connected to Christ. I really don't. I just, I don't feel connected. Well, the thing is, is that the Lord speaks of how to do that. You see, we just talked about all these cells in our body and the creation and how it just like blows our mind about that and how all these cells happen and, and how when we're born, this thing goes, you know? We just talked about all that. And so we know that there has to be some kind of creator because I promise you, I'm not God and I did not create myself. And so we think about that, man, there must be some kind of creator 
And now what? How has, how has he revealed himself? Well, he's revealed himself in creation, but he's also revealed himself in, in this word. And in this word, it talks about that it is by grace that we're saved and, and not by our own works so that no one can boast. And you might be saying, Misael, what's grace? What do I need to be saved from? Well, let me tell you, we need to be saved from sin, from ourselves, because we really, the, the root of our sin is because we want to be our own God. We want to be our own kings and queens of a world we did not even create. The root of sin is just wanting to be like God or better than God. And the thing is, is that is what sin, and sin is so bad because truly sin separates us from God because sin is disobedience. That's what it is. And so it's imperfection. And if God is perfect and we are not, there's a separation there because God is the one that's like, look, I'm holy and I can't be in that kind of presence. And so we see also that the wages of sin, the consequence of sin is death, is death. And we see that. And it's like, oh my goodness, now I see that because I'm sinful, I deserve death because I'm imperfect and I can't do anything. I can't work hard enough to get to God. I can't do anything to connect myself to him and reach to him. But what has happened is that he's reached down to us. That's where this connection happens because it is the gift of God that we are saved. It is by his gift alone, and that gift is Jesus. And it's like, oh my goodness, that this gift of Jesus who, who came down to my filth and lived a life I couldn't and, and paid the price that I couldn't because this debt that I owe is like an eternal debt, but only an eternal God could pay that kind of price. And that's what happened. Because Jesus came to live this life who was completely perfect. And he did so many things, so many miracles that demonstrated, hey, I have power over everything. Power even over death. Because death doesn't hold me. That is what we see. And, and so we look at that Jesus is the way, he's the one, he's the gift in which we can have eternal life. But like Jesus, like, what do I have to do? And Jesus is like, look, I've already done everything. All you have to do is repent, confess, surrender your life to me, follow me, believe in me, confess and believe who I am, and you will be saved. It doesn't say that you might. It doesn't say that maybe tomorrow. It doesn't say that maybe for a little bit. No, it says you will be saved. And it's in this moment of follow me, right? It's a statement that it, there's an expectation there of, doing what Jesus does and saying what Jesus says, having this humility that he's demonstrated. Because the thing is that Jesus doesn't just save us, he transforms us. And one thing that blows me away is that I'm an excellent professional sinner, and you are too. You're a professional, excellent sinner. But Jesus is so, so, like, let me put it this way. I'm a professional, or let me put it this way. I'm an excellent sinner, Jesus is an excellent and much better savior. That's who he is. Because I might be a professional sinner, but he is much better at saving than I am sinning. That's who he is. And so we've seen, right, that there is unity in the body of Christ. There is, and that Jesus is here, and that he's like, man, you have to connection with me before having connection with others. 
The next thing that we see in these passages in verses 15 to 20 is that there is variety in the body of Christ. So we've seen that there's unity in the body of Christ. Now there is variety in the body of Christ. And so let's read this together. Verse 15, it says this. Now if the foot should say, man, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, man, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. You see, God's divine design is truly diverse parts. And that's really what diversity means. Diversity means a variety. And that's what we see that God has created this variety of people and with variety of gifts and variety of talents for his glory. Now, have a lot of you seen like Monsters, Inc. or Monsters, Inc. Incorporated? Okay, Mike Wazowski, you know, he's like a big eye. So imagine without the feet or the ears or whatever, the mouth, and he's just an eye. That'd be ridiculous, right? Ridiculous? He said yes. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, it just, it just doesn't make sense. And so, so Paul is like, guys, it just doesn't make sense that you would think that, man, to be human is to be a foot. Well, that's not right. Because to be human, yes, I was talking to you, but that's okay. So to be human is more than just being a foot. It's more than just being an eye. And the thing is that to be human is the whole thing. The whole thing. And what's so fascinating is that Paul is advocating, right? That it is necessary for diversity. It is necessary that we all have different gifts and talents and ways of looking at things in order for us to see the world and walk together and to use all of what we have. And and though we're all made up of different things, the whole body is going the same direction. And truly, it involves parts of the body to understand that, man, I have a purpose and I have a function and I know what I'm meant to do. Because what we see is that one body part cannot try and do the job of every other single body part. That's both unhealthy and impossible. Same thing in the church. If we all try to like preach this morning, how would that go? If we all try to sing this morning, how would that go? You know what I'm saying? That'd be crazy. And so we all have different gifts in ways in which God has blessed us to use what we have for his glory. And, and I would hope that as a church, we're not withholding those gifts from one another and for the glory of God. And I would hope that as a church, we're not jealous of someone else's gifts. And I would hope that we would see value in the gifts that God has given us because so much work goes into it. And I just love, I love what Paul does because he's, he's giving us this illustration, right, of, you know, you can't just be a human that's all an eye or all an ear or all one thing. But he says, in fact, that God has placed all of them where he wanted it to be. That's what he has said. And, and what's so awesome is that Paul continues to bring us back, though he uses this really funny, weird Monsters, Inc. kind of illustration. He brings us back to God and says, 
God is creating for himself a new humanity, a transformed humanity, this transformed a new kingdom where he is the head and we are the body. And, and what's awesome is that this new humanity works together and uses the differences that they have to strive for the same thing, for the benefit of one another and for the glory of God. It's just incredible because God has organized our body in such a way, right? Perfectly to function. And God has organized the church in such a way that we are to walk in a manner that is going the same direction just as our body goes the same direction and my arm can't go that way. So in a variety, we have to be unified, understanding we have to go the same direction as a body of Christ. And so an application here that we see is that we um, are not just involved, like church membership doesn't just involve a connection to Christ, right? But church membership also involves collaboration with others, okay? So church membership doesn't just involve a connection to Christ, but also a collaboration with others, now, I'm the oldest of seven, and I think most of you know that, but I'm the oldest of seven, so I've had the privilege of changing my brother's diapers, I've had the privilege of seeing them walk, I've had the privilege of like seeing them cut their hand open and they're bleeding out, and I'm like, mom, what do I do? I've had the privilege of seeing them grow up, and one of the like privileges I've had is seeing them play soccer when they're like this big. Okay, now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen little kids play soccer, but imagine you get like a piece of meat in this river with all these piranhas, and you throw it. And they go, that's how it is with little kids' soccer. It's like the ball is this piece of meat, and they, and they throw it on the field, and all the kids are like, oh, ball. And they just run. And it's like, guys, you're not working together. Like, guys, you have, you, each one of you have a part to play. I can't have my goalie going to try to score a goal because then what happens? Someone else can get the ball and just kind of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've had the privilege of just being like, guys, think or, like, be coachable. But it's just interesting to get that picture in your mind, right, of all these kids are trying to play the same part, but really, really they should be playing their own part and using their own function where the goal is here, the, the, the sides over here, the offense, the defense, all of that because they all have a particular part to play. And, and what I love about the church is that this church is a place for you to discover your gifts and to use them, to play the part that you've been given, to understand the gifts that you have and to be able to do that because the Lord has entrusted you with particular gifts to use for his glory. And I'm so grateful that we all share the same Holy Spirit who gives us different things because I need help in places that I'm not really good at. I really do. And we all need each other. And, and the thing is, is that when it comes to church membership, it's not like a gym membership, okay? It's not one of those things where you just like pay and you don't have to participate, right? You just kind of give your money. It's like, all right, see ya. But the thing is that the church is a place where we participate, right? That's what we do. We are supposed to do that. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful for our small group class, uh, Primeros Pasos. I'm just loving it our small group class, Primeros Pasos, and we've been going through Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah chapter two, uh, at the very end of the chapter, there's this statement that I love, and the Hispanics use it all the time in Spanish, and I think we should be using it a lot more in English. But the statement is this, manos a la obra, manos a la obra, which really means, uh, sorry, I have to translate again, hands to work, 
hands to work and get to work. And the thing is, is that this work wasn't done alone. It was done with a group of people. So as we think of what God is doing in this place, revitalizing, breathing life into it, manos a la obra. Let's get our hands to work together. And I just love that statement from Nehemiah. So we've seen, right, that there is unity in the body of Christ, and there is variety in the body of Christ. This last thing that we're going to see in verses 21 to 27 is that there is equity in the body of Christ. There is equity in the body of Christ. And so with that in mind, let's read right here, starting in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the places that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together in great honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should be equal, concerned for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. When I say equity, what I mean is value. Because equity means value. And so when we say that there's equity in the body of Christ, I mean that there's value in the body of Christ. When we look at Psalms chapter 8, what we see is that God has crowned humanity with his glory. He has set his glory in the heavens, and he has crowned humanity with his glory. My goodness, it's like there's this value aspect to us as human beings. And just what I want us to get out from from this equity part of this passage is that truly, I just want to focus here on verse 26. Because truly, if we value each other, when one suffers, I hope that we all suffer. And that when one is is rejoicing, I hope that we rejoice, because that's what Paul is saying right here. Because the Lord has, has seen us with value and it says, I love you. I love you enough to die for you. And so I want to make sure that as, as church members, we see that. And when we begin to see each other with value, we begin to see our community with value, we're going to be like, man, we can be unified though we're different and see each other with value. And this could go with, with, uh, with color, with short, tall, big, small, whatever that may be, different talents, there's value in the body of Christ. And as this last application, church membership involves a community with others. Church membership involves a community with others. And, and the thing is, I, I get this passage so much because do you guys get cold sores like on your lips? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Imagine that cold sore in your eye. That's what I get. I wish I got cold sores in my lips. That'd be awesome. But no, I get a cold sore in my eye, and then I get blinded in both eyes, and I feel like someone's like getting a knife and just like poking my eye, and then I have to like lay in bed with like sunglasses, like turn off all the lights, shut the shades, sunglasses, I'm just laying there. When my eye suffers, my entire body shuts down and suffers. And so if, if in our body, 
If there's someone who's considered the eye suffers, I hope our body suffers with them and says, I understand and I get you, I see it. Because truly the church is this place where we are a local family of faith, a spiritual family that comes together and we protect one another and, and we reach out and we work together. That's what we see. And so maybe this morning, hearing the word of the Lord and saying, Lord, I've seen what you've, what you've written through Paul. God, I'm not connected to you. If you're a non-believer in this room, maybe that's you. And, and maybe it's that today's a day. I don't think you're in here by accident. Today's a day to be connected to the Lord. And maybe you're a believer in this room and maybe you've been visiting this church for a little bit. It's time to become a member and, and, to, and to understand that you are in a covenant with God. And because you're in a covenant with God and other people are too, man, you're in a covenant with other people. So let's commit to one another in this church membership and walk the same direction. And so I want to encourage you if you're a believer, man, look into church membership. And then my prayer for us this morning is that we would be unified though we're different and that we would see each other with value. And so let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful for your word. <laughs> I'm so grateful that we all have the same Holy Spirit whenever we are transformed by you. Thank you, Lord, that it's not anything that we have done, but all that you have done. Lord, I praise you for how you've created us. Lord, I praise you for how you have given us this, this family of faith. And Lord, right now, I know that you are working in the hearts of people. You are working and challenging them and encouraging them and saying, I am here. The God of all the universe is present and here with you. Lord Jesus, thank you. And continue to work in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray.